Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 30th. In today's news, Capital One announces one of the largest data breaches ever to hit a financial services firm. A House investigation accuses one of the president's close friends of leveraging their relationship to make money in the Middle East, and the teenager who killed three people in Gilroy legally purchased the assault rifle that he used. But first, the big idea. Two American servicemen were shot dead and a third wounded overnight in a rare insider attack when an Afghan soldier opened fire on a group of American forces at a military base in a conflict-torn region of the southern Kandahar province. Members of the U.S. Army's 3rd Brigade Combat Team, 82nd Airborne, posted a Facebook tribute to their slain comrades but didn't identify them. According to Afghan officials, the shooter was wounded in return fire and has been taken into Afghan military custody. This is the first known incident, also known as a green-on-blue attack, since November, when Brent Taylor, a major in the Utah National Guard and the mayor of a town in Utah, was killed by an Afghan soldier in Kabul. No information was immediately available about the shooter, except that he was an Afghan army soldier. In past green-on-blue incidents, the attackers have included both bona fide Afghan troops who were angry, disgruntled, or influenced by Taliban propaganda, and insurgent infiltrators who enlisted to attack and sabotage foreign forces. Insider attacks have been a problem for American forces in Afghanistan over the past decade, peaking in 2012 with several high-profile incidents, but they declined significantly after U.S. military officials began placing guardian angel forces in the battlefield. Afghan security officials improved the vetting of new recruits, and then, of course, the major U.S. troop withdrawal that began in 2014. A total of 2,400 U.S. troops have been killed in this 18-year conflict, America's longest war. The U.S. currently has about 14,000 troops still deployed to Afghanistan, and their mission is to train, advise, and assist Afghan security forces in fighting Taliban insurgents. They also provide combat air support for Afghan forces in the battlefield. The Taliban insurgents have intensified their attacks in recent months as peace negotiations with U.S. officials have continued in Qatar. The country is especially jittery with a presidential election campaign beginning this week amid fears of more insurgent violence against candidates and voters. On Sunday, the sitting president, Ashraf Ghani's running mate, former National Intelligence Chief Amrullah Saleh, narrowly escaped being killed when attackers besieged his political headquarters in Kabul. The attack, which began with a massive suicide bomb in a vehicle, turned into a six-hour gun battle with heavily armed attackers who killed 20 people and injured 50 more. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, in a speech here in Washington yesterday, said President Trump has ordered him to reduce the number of U.S. troops in Afghanistan significantly by the 2020 election. These are some of the clearest comments to date about the president's intentions for winding down the conflict. Pompeo said he has received a, quote, unambiguous directive to, quote, end the endless wars, end quote. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Capital One announced last night that a hacker had accessed about 100 million credit card applications. And investigators say thousands of social security and bank account numbers were also taken. 
The FBI has arrested a Seattle woman, Paige Thompson, on a charge of computer fraud and abuse, according to court records. The hack appears to be one of the largest data breaches ever to hit a financial services firm. The company expects that it will cost it between $100 million and $150 million in the short term. Capital One emphasized that no credit card numbers or login credentials were compromised, nor was the vast majority of social security numbers on the affected applications. It is unusual in a major hacking case for a suspect to be apprehended so quickly. And in this case, that was apparently due to boasts made online by the hacker. Thompson previously worked at an unidentified cloud computing company that provided data services to Capital One. The company, Capital One, which is headquartered in the D.C. suburb of McLean, was alerted to some problem on July 17th after someone in an online discussion group claimed to have taken large amounts of the company's data. The bank launched an immediate investigation and quickly confirmed that there was a vulnerability The bank said the hacker was able to access the social security numbers of about 140,000 customers, people who use their social security number as their employer identification number when applying for small business credit cards. Number two, Tom Barrick, uh, the L.A.-based investor and informal advisor to President Trump, sought powerful positions in the administration in 2017 while simultaneously pushing a U.S. nuclear energy policy in the Middle East that would substantially benefit his company. That's according to a new report from the House Oversight Committee, which concentrates on the period from January to May 2017, when it says Barrick sought to be named to several posts, including as Trump's special envoy to the Middle East or ambassador to the United Arab Emirates. All the while, according to House investigators, Barrick advocated on behalf of Saudi interests and seeking to obtain U.S. nuclear technology. He also took steps to see that his company, Colony Northstar, would profit from the proposals that he was advancing during meetings with the president. Westinghouse is the only U.S. manufacturer of large-scale nuclear reactors, and at one point Barrick expressed interest in purchasing the company using Saudi and Emirati capital, but with sufficient U.S. ownership to discourage scrutiny from U.S. regulators. The report notes that despite his advocacy, Barrick did not register as a foreign lobbyist. Barrick aides say he was not advocating on behalf of foreign entities in his dealings with Trump officials. He was acting on behalf of himself and therefore did not act improperly. In 2016, Barrick shared the draft of an energy speech that Trump planned to give in North Dakota with an associate in Dubai, who then sought input from officials in the region and sent back ideas. Barrick passed along suggestions from agents of foreign governments to Trump's campaign chairman at the time, Paul Manafort. Some of the messaging appears to have been integrated into the final product. Number three, the assault rifle that was used in the Gilroy shooting on Sunday night couldn't be sold legally in California, according to the state's attorney general. But The weapon, an AK-47 style assault rifle, was legally purchased in Nevada on July 9th. Santino William Ligon, 19, was identified as the killer. Three people died and at least 12 others were injured at the Garlic Festival. The shooting's three victims were identified as six-year-old Stefan Romero, who had just celebrated his birthday, 13-year-old Kayla Salazar, who was planning on getting a puppy for her sister in the next few days, and 25-year-old Trevor Irby, a recent college graduate. The Instagram account connected to the shooter pushed literature that is part of an ecosystem of white 
nationalism. On the day of the shooting, an Instagram page that's been attributed to the murderer posted an image referring to a proto-fascist white supremacist manifesto from the 19th century. That material is part of a years-long recruiting technique by white nationalists to target those vulnerable to their message on forums that are frequently populated by teenagers. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 30th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Mm -hmm.